Give me one last This is one. the last one, and this one's going to blow your fucking mind, and you're going to be like, no. No, 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 no. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Arden Rose. And I'm Will Dobbishan. And you're listening to Crash on My Couch. Which is our one-stop pit stop of the internet. Of all the interesting things that you would like to hear about. Ain't that right, Willie D? That is right. On this week's Crash on My Couch... We talk about how Matt Damon could have been Daredevil. The hidden problem with sugar. And we talk about a big old pile of booty. That's right. All this and more on Crash on My Couch. Well, hey guys. And welcome back to Crash on My Couch. Hello, I'm Arden. And I'm Will. And we're going to talk to you today. Are we're going to talk about some pretty delicious things. For delicious things. Oh my gosh. Fergalicious. Fergalicious. I think Fergalicious, we should put it back into the vocabulary. Oh my god. Why? A, why isn't Fergalicious in the vocabulary right now that we Dude, use? why did it go anywhere? Like the vernacular that we use all the time. But also, can we, Emma, could you try to find out, figure out what rights we could get for this? So at the beginning of Crash on My Couch, every time we started, it goes, no, 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 Yes, we're going to do that. We're going to figure it out. Um, hello. Hi, guys. Um, let's see. What's been going on in our lives, Will? Uh, nothing. Yeah, let me think about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah nothing. Yeah, nothing. Pretty much, uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, we've been watching a lot of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is such a riot. So funny. Oh, such a good show. Well, I, kind of, I kind of avoided it, like... Up until obviously like this month, um, I don't know why it was always that such a big show. It was just one of those things I never watched. It's always that a big show you never watch. Well, yeah, it's like it's like we were talking today about someone watching Sopranos for the first time, and we were like, "Yeah, I've never watched The Sopranos. I know it's a huge show. I know it was such a big deal, but I have never watched The Sopranos." Yeah, and like I know it's probably like the Breaking Bad of the '90s or like early 2000s, but like I just haven't watched it. You know, I made the mistake early on of just never committing to it. Yeah. And also, I was really young when it first came out. So I was, so just was like, I. I kind of missed it. But I know my dad, like, watched it. And, yeah, and it was really it was good. Thing. Apparently, it was amazing. But we just never watched it. But it's yeah. the same thing with Curb. Because Curb came out early 2000s. Yes. And I never watched it for that reason. I always thought it was, like, an adult show. Like, I was always like... It is an adult show, though. But now I'm an adult. Is that kind of weird? Do you remember when you used to think about some shows as adult shows? Yeah, I do. And you're like, that's an adult show. Yeah. I won't get it, because it's an adult show. Well, even now, though, sometimes I call things adult shows just to describe them. Like, what was... Didn't I say the same the other day, where I was like, that's kind of an adult show, like an adult movie or something like it's something like adults would enjoy rather than like kids kids or like <laughs> teenagers or i don't know it's so funny but curb your enthusiasm was definitely one of those yeah for but me. it's still going curb your enthusiasm so that's kind of and one of the reasons why we wanted to get back get into, into it, it. yeah because yeah, the new season is coming out or it has come out and yeah. i don't know i don't know the timeline for it but um i am very excited to watch more episodes when we get home so pumped for it. Um, but anyway, so that's what we've been doing. We've also been rewatching The Office and Parks and Rec because we are disgusting human beings and that's what we do. And um, yeah, and then we're going to be heading back to London for Crimbo time, aren't we? 
Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yep. So we're going to go back for crimbo time, have some fun time, probably do some more long-distance-esque uh, podcasting. Shizniz. Shizniz, which will be fun. Um, yeah. In general, it seems like we're kind of winding down for the holidays. I haven't got an audition for a while. Well, it is like <laughs> end of November. Give me one. Anyway, I think All it's time right. to get into our first segment. Yes. Audio Rex, which one are we going to be doing first? Ooh, I mean, I think we should do an update on our treasure hunting segment. Okay. So I think we should. Yarn! Let's, Let's go, go on, on a, a treasure hunt. hunt. So, guys, you know that my biggest life goal is to find some treasure. Yeah. And actually, my life plan is all revolved around finding some treasure. So <laughs> my, my entire backup plan. I'm going to pull a James Cameron. <laughs> I'm going to make Avatar and Titanic. going to make my own versions of that. Make a few Billy. Wait, but then you're already you're already flush. You already have money. Why do you need to go on treasure hunt? What do you mean? Just because you have money doesn't mean you can't find, like, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant. Wait, so you're not trying to find treasure to get rich quick? Huh? You're not trying to find treasure no, to get rich quick? I would just do it for the love of it. Wow. Okay. I mean, most people would say they want to try to find treasure. James it. Cameron does that. Yeah, but James Cameron's also a dick. What's that going to do anything? He's a dick that doesn't deserve to find treasure. Okay, guys. Here's what James Cameron did. And I think I've spoken about it before, but he's kind of my hero right now. So He's also an awful person. Um, James Cameron. But also, if you want to cast me in one of your movies, let me know. James Cameron. He needed to raise a billy. <laughs> in order to go down to the marina trench because he wanted to be one of the first people in fact i think he's the first person to do a solo mission into the marina trench and he wanted to like mm. i think he wanted to like find things or be an explorer i think that was his big thing and to be an explorer uh a lot of the time is you have to have a fuckload of money because yeah. you need to be like the person moving an expedition along or like well there's no one who's gonna like no one's going to sponsor an exploration because no. so, it's, it's basically half the time or yeah. 95% of the time, it's a waste of money because there's nothing you get out of it. Yeah, so you, you've got to have some cash to play with. Mm-hmm. So good old Jim Cameron went on and made Terminator 2, then went across and made Titanic and then Avatar. Highest grossing films of all time, made his Billy, and now last year he was the first person down the Marina Trench. Which is incredible. And he personally went down into the Marina Trench? Yeah, in a submarine. That's a crazy. submarine. That's pretty crazy. By himself. That's pretty nuts. But what is he... You didn't, he didn't find treasure, though. No, but what he did is, like, the first person ever to do that. He went know, six wait, miles but down. But how did you... Wait, but you started talking about James Cameron talking because about treasure. Because he's an explorer. Because he's an explorer. And, like, that's his thing. <laughs> he wants to explore. Hence the reason he did the Marina Trench. Hence the reason there could have been a pirate ship down there, bruh. <laughs> but there wasn't a pirate ship down there, bruh. Sometimes you have to take a stab in the dark. Also, why do you think there are just pirate ships everywhere? Because you know there is. What type of, like, weird, cynical world do you live in where there isn't pirate ships underneath the ocean at all times? <laughs> What type of boring world does Arden live in, all right, where you go down under the ocean and there's not a pirate ship? I don't want to be in your world, okay? I want to be in you my mean, world where the there's real pirate world? ships everywhere and the balloons underneath. You are so ridiculous. I can't even do so, this. what I'm saying is, is my goal is I'm going to make a few crazy movies, um... It might be good, might be bad, but either way, that money is going towards my main focus, which is 
finding some lost artifacts. <laughs> oh my god! So, with that being said, I would like to just roll off a list, uh, a list I read on mentalfloss.com, about seven of the biggest treasure troves ever found. Treasure troves. That's my favorite way of describing troves. a, a treasure trove. A trove. So, I think we can all agree... That when we, if we were going to find any type of treasure, it would be like cursed pirate treasure. Yeah, that's the one I want. I think that's the aesthetic I'm going to be going for when I'm looking for my treasure. Oh, you're going to only find um, certain treasure as but well. But also, which would be pretty <laughs> fucking cool, would be like medi, like proper Renaissance, like medieval treasure, oh. like cool coins. Well, you know what I realized though. Wait, can I just say something? Pirates were around what the 1700s? Is that yeah. what we determined? Like yes. 1500s to yes, eight. the same time. Right. So, but re- when was the Renaissance? Because I'm pretty sure that Renaissance and pirate treasure can sort of be considered the same thing. Uh, that's a pro- that's that's a little bit problematic. That's a common misconception people make. When I'm describing <laughs> pirate treasure, I'm describing booty, golden booty that these tri- these pirates have taken. Yeah, where do you think they take them from? They rob a, a rob a ship. What what ship is it? A royal ship, like a Renaissance ship? Yeah, no. But when I'm talking, I'm talking about like Renaissance ship. I'm talking about like. Art. Like a painting. Or like a painting. Lost or like painting. a gold... Uh, Scepter. Something like that. Something maybe royal. Okay. Maybe I'm just royal. saying that a lot of times pirates are trying to go after the same thing that you're trying to go after. I'm... The demographic of people stealing gold and valuable shit is mainly pirates. <laughs> so... Are you telling me that cursed pirate treasure from like thousands exist. of years ago... Doesn't exist. Does exist. Okay. Be optimistic. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is cynicism over here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. Does exist. And I will find it. So okay. anyway, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about some of the cursed pirate treasure okay. that has been found. Cursed pirate treasure. This is confirmed. Like, they've they've taken a, a gauge and run it all over hush, it hush. and found ghosts. Shh, shh, cursed shh, treasure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, back in 1985. Mm-hmm. Oh, pretty recent. An old building in the Polish town of Schrodeslaska was being demolished ahead of renovation works when a vase was found beneath the foundation. Wow. Inside were more than 3,000 silver coins dating back to the 14th century. Wow. A couple of years later, when another building nearby was knocked down, even more artifacts were found, including lots more gold and silver coins and an array of jewelry, including a gold crown and a ring bearing the head of a dragon. That's pretty fucking sick. Although there's clearly a lot of treasure there, experts have struggled to put exact value on it because nothing else quite like it exists. So it's priceless. So the value approximately is priceless, but approximately $120 million. For what? For what? Is it? (laughs) How is it worth so much? Is it the value of it over time? Because it's treasure, bruh. It's gold and silver coins (laughs) and a ring with a... You're yelling at me. You're yelling at me. And a ring with a dragon head on it. How could that not be valuable? A ring with a dragon head on no, it? No, it's sick. But is it like how do how do you how do you determine how much gold and like silver and shit is worth? Is it all weight? Um, I'll tell you. The scale is if I find like a rusty old coin, that's gonna be below the scale. On top of the schedule is gonna be a ring with a dragon head on it. <laughs> if there's a dragon head on anything, you know it costs money. Okay, I'll agree with you on that one. I will. I will say that one is true. Or uh-huh. like a. Uh, diamond on it actually i think the top of the head of scale is like it's got kind of like coral going off it it's like underneath the water and it's been down there for like a couple thousand years and it's like there's like coral and like seaweed on it it's like embedded into it like something like poseidon made 
okay, so um, so what you're saying is that you need an aesthetically pleasing treasure. That's the highest level of worth yeah. for you. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, like, if you're going to find any type of treasure, you're not going to find, like, some, like, crappy, like... So you want to find, like, a golden egg that's been, like, covered in coral. And then when you grab the the golden egg out of the water, you realize it's a puzzle box. Holy and then you, shit. And then you... And then that opens me up to another place. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to go to Peru. Uh-huh. And then what do you find in Peru? Crop circles. What do the crop circles say? That this is an Indiana Jones movie yeah. that's going to be badly rated. So um, there you go. Nice. Another piece of treasure. Mm-hmm. It was called the Bactrian Gold. It was found in 1978. Okay. The also value, Yeah. Mm. The value is priceless. Oh. So there's not a price. Wow. The treasure found at Tilia Tepe. Which With self-love? Been, which has been known oh. as the Bactrian Gold was recovered from six burial mounds. More than 20,000 gold ornaments were retrieved. 20,000 gold ornaments. Wait, but they took them from burial grounds? So they, they dug up buried buried bodies? Burial mounds. Yeah, burial mounds are like where, they're like sacred burial grounds, right? You're not supposed to dig that shit up. That's um, cursed gold. That's cursed. All those baubles are cursed. Cursed treasure, it exists. They found it in the 70s. Therefore, they're 2000s, all listen, I'd rather die of a cursed treasure thing than anything else. The treasure... <laughs> The treasure was dated between the 1st century BC and the 1st century C. 1st century! What? And came from the burial sites of a nomadic prince and five women, possibly his wives. What's Whoa. particularly interesting about this hoard is that the treasures are so diverse with objects from China, India, and Greece all mixed together. The jewelry is elaborate, set with precious stones of all colors. Since the treasure was uncovered in the late 70s, it's changed hands a number of times, especially when Afghanistan was evaded and the National Museum, where the collection was kept, was looted in Afghan-Russia war a few years later. It has been recovered and is displayed at museums all around the world. That's pretty crazy. And where was it discovered, did you say? So it was discovered uh, in Tilia Tepe, which is... Uh, in Afghanistan, I would assume? Tilia. Just because that's where they also had the museum? Oh, wow, I've just seen some of the things. Like, these are the <gasps> pictures. Whoa, guys. It's Afghanistan. Afghanistan? Okay. It's like um, elaborate Middle Eastern uh, gold statues and shit. That's pretty cool. That's pretty wild. I like that kind of stuff. And I'll give you one more just to wet your beak a little bit. Wet my beak a little bit? Okay. Found 2015, two years ago. Oh. <laughs> scuba drive, Scuba drivers. Scuba divers exploring the seabed near the harbor of the Castoria National Park, Israel, thought they'd stumbled across a child's toy when they found the first gold coin. But when they saw how many coins there were and looked more closely at the engravings on them, they realized they'd found something pretty significant. Oh. They reported their find to the Israel Antiques Authority, because that exists. Oh, I'm sure there are people. Oh, I bet you money there are people who, like, when you find treasure, they're instantly like, hey, what would you find? And you're like, oh, nothing. You bet your ass there is. And they're like, give it to us. You bet their ass there is. You know is. what I mean? Ooh, there's treasure hunt. There's like, uh, you know, opposing treasure hunters. Oh, yeah. And they're like Whoa. violent. And we're like the hunters that like. We're we the nice ones. We, we don't, don't wanna, do that. We don't want to kill anyone. We're just nice people. But there's ones, they go to crazy lengths. And, and they're going to give them to like Russian. We might get Russian, killed. Russian, Kremlin, yeah. crazy people probably. So um, they went to this authority, mm-hmm. and they returned with metal detectors to search the area more thoroughly. Nice. In the end, nearly 2,000 coins were recovered. 
The coins were of several different denominations and had been minted at different times, sometime between the 10th and 12th centuries. Wow. And so far, no one's attached an exact value on the find, except to say that it's so valuable, it's priceless. And these were Israeli coins? Oh, wow. That's so cool. Golden coins. It's amazing. That's, that was just glittering on the surface. I wonder how much how much gold and like treasure is buried under under the I ocean. I don't think bed. that you know it makes under me, the ocean. It wakes me up at night. But you got to think about it. Like, it, there, a lot of it must. It doesn't sit on the top. You know, like water yeah, pressure will buried. keep you. It'd be buried in the water. Buried like in, a pirate um, ship, probably down somewhere. Oh, you're saying it's below this below the sand bed. You think it's in the sand. We just watched that crazy documentary about the sea. Did uh-huh. we or did we not? Yeah. Blue planet. Uh-huh. Blue planet. Um, guys, the sea is fucking massive. It's it huge. goes down like the some of the biggest depths of the ocean go down seven miles, seven or eight miles. The deepest depth of the ocean, which is the Marina Trench, is seven miles down, which is enough to put Mount Everest in it. It's that deep. Ooh. Are you telling me, people of the world... That there's not more booty to be found underneath the ocean. I'll give you some booty to be found. I already got that on tap. Oh, not if you don't find me some treasure booty. I have a point, though, right? Honey, got to get paid. I have a point. What? Yeah, yeah, you do have a point. I, yeah, you do. You know, if you're optimistic about it, you could probably find something. Yeah, I think we should try If to you had the something. money as well, you have to have can money. Can I, like, can I wear a cool outfit, though? Like, can I look like Laura Croft? Please? Yeah. Please, but we can't. But we don't know. How, we, we don't know how to fight. That's the pop. So oh, like, there'll be like this crazy Russian person that's like, "Hey," and he's got an eye patch, and he's like, "I'm going to take your treasure." And we're like, "And he has an AK-47, and we only have our fists." And we're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, take our treasure. But just so you know, as soon as it leaves that temple, you're gonna fall to dust because it's cursed. Yeah, and we're not gonna tell him. We're gonna use our smarts, like. Yeah, our smarts like. Our smarts like. Yeah. And then when he's all dust, how do we get it, though? We put cloth around it. I feel like we <laughs> should be doing a show trying to find treasure. Yeah, I think we should. I think yeah. we absolutely should do yeah. this. I agree. I think it's a great idea. We're just going to be somewhere in the Mediterranean hunting for treasure yep. with a metal detector. With like, a metal detector. Ah, somewhere around here. Hey, we're going to find it eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm always dressed like Laura Croft. And you're like, you know, please stop wearing that. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> we talk so much on this podcast about, like, the mythical things and, like, kind of you know, like, lost things that have been found or not been found. There's so, so much of history which... We just it's disappeared. It's, yeah, it's you can see it's written down. You see it existed, but it's gone. Mm-hmm. Where's it gone? We don't know where it is. We don't know. I'm hoping. Are the covenant? There are We're find more it. exciting things in the world to be found. Mm-hmm. I'm still convinced that there are tons and tons and tons of like Nazi treasures that we need to still find. But yeah, apparently it's, there's so um, much of that has been ransacked. Apparently, in um, I think it was in Germany. I think I spoke about it, didn't we, before? That was in that lake, mm-hmm. at the bottom of that lake. There, there is was... something down there. Yeah. I fully believe there's something under there. You want to go find it? Let's. Let's fucking do it, bro. I'm down. Wait, wait. You know what I just realized? We were watching um, Blue Planet once again. Shout out to Blue Planet for inspiring us. Um, and there was that whole talk about there was that saline level that made it really hard to see. And those fish were having trouble breathing, and if they stayed too long into the same <gasps> level, do you remember that? Yeah. That was that's what's in that lake. That's why the scuba divers are having such a hard time getting down there, is because it's hard to see through a saline level. What if you just filled it with fresh water? Like, what if you just pumped out all the saline, fucked up the 
the entire ecosystem of this lake so that you could get Nazi treasure. <laughs> That'd be so terrible. Nazi treasure, which probably was a shitload of money. And then you could just restore the lake to its natural beauty with all that money. Okay, we need to start talking about this. Okay, okay. We'll be here all day. <laughs> I know. And just so you guys know, after this podcast, I will be talking to Arden about this for a long time. Yep, I already know it. This is just the beginning. You see how excited Will gets about, like, any kind of treasure hunting? Like, Will will talk about treasure hunting until the end of the day. Like, now that we've gotten onto it. Um, but let's talk about something that I love, which is food conspiracies. Food conspiracies. Yes, which is actually... Our next segment. Yes. Conspiracy Cam. Whoop, whoop. So, this is interesting. This is something that I've told you about, Will, and, like, but but Will is the type of person, you're not willfully ignorant, but you don't, if you know something's bad for you, or you know that I'm about to tell you it's bad for you, you don't want to know. No, treasure hunting. I know it's going to probably get me killed one day, still want to do it. That's not at all what I'm talking about, but, <laughs> but sure, let's use another treasure hunting anecdote. Thank you very much. Um, no, the, more about, like, health stuff. Like, I remember when I was first, like, yeah, uh, I can't remember what the first thing was that I was like, this isn't that great for you, and you were like, but don't tell me, because I just want to enjoy the thing. But everything's bad for you. Everything Breathing's is bad, bad for, you. for you. The air's bad for you. We're all just going to die eventually. So True. We, you know, we everything can, will give you cancer now. I agree, but you can also live a longer, happier life if you're healthier. That's how I feel about it. Because there's, there's like this gradient, not gradient, there's a chart that talks about um, life expectancy and healthy life expectancy. So like how long you'll live um, versus how long you will suffer until the end of your life. Got it. And the more sugar and fat and, like, shit that you eat, the less time you have to actually enjoy your life. No. And the more lo- – even if you live the same amount of time, the less time you actually get to enjoy your life and the more time you end, you end up suffering before you eventually die. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying. Uh-huh. What I'm talking about is more so, like, when people are like – did you know that sitting on your chair backwards means that you're going to get cancer in your bones? Because that's the thing what happens now. People attach <laughs> cancer to everything. Oh, yeah. No, everything causes and cancer. it just makes you feel bad about yourself and you just feel like you can't do anything. I agree. Without getting cancer. I agree. Well, this is something that's not related so to cancer. So tell me about something which is a fun fact but uh-huh. also would be good for me. Yeah, this is good. This is good. And this is less about – um shaming you for liking something and more about a conspiracy about the American food industry. Interesting. Because as I have found out as I've gotten older and one of the saddest realizations that I found out when I was older is that money makes the world go round, but especially in America, money makes everything go round all the time. Even the things that shouldn't be about money are about money, aka why are politicians and everyone is so fucking shit right now. But anyways, okay, moving on, let's talk about something that's interesting. This is from the New York Times, so you know it's fucking legit as hell. Um, <laughs> how the sugar industry shifted the blame to fat. The sugar industry paid scientists in the six, 1960s to play down the link between sugar and heart disease and promoted saturated fat as the culprit instead, newly released historical documents show. The internal sugar industry documents recently discovered by a researcher at the University of California, San Francisco, and published Monday in JAMA Internal Medicine, suggest that five decades of research into the role of nutrition and heart disease, including many of today's dietary recommendations, may have been largely shaped by the sugar industry. 
They were able to derail the discussion about sugar for decades, says Stanton Glanced. Great name. A professor of medicine at UCSF and an author of the JAMA Internal Medicine paper. The documents showed that a trade group called the Sugar Research Foundation, known today as the Sugar Association, paid three Harvard scientists the equivalent of about $50,000 in today's dollars to publish a 1967 review of research on sugar, fat, and heart disease. The studies used in the review were hand-picked by the Sugar Group, and the article, which was published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine, minimized the link between sugar and heart health and cast aspirations on the role of saturated fats. I don't know if you remember this. Early on in kind of like the 70s and 80s, the low-fat craze became a huge thing. Like, and even now, it's still a prevalent thing. Like, yes. when I was growing up, it was still a huge thing that if you were eating low-fat, people thought that meant that you were being healthy. Yes. Because yeah. the less fats meant less it was, calories. It was just a good thing. Yeah, but what they didn't tell you was that instead of just getting rid of fat, to add flavor back, because fat is flavor, um, they would add a shit ton of sugar. Wow. So everything that was a low-fat option... Just had more sugar in it. ...had a fuck ton of sugar in it. And sugar is so bad for you for so many reasons. Like, yeah. it, it spikes your heart rate. So, because I've known about this for a while, mm-hmm. and I've avoided watching the uh, sugar documentary because I'm like... I love the sugar documentary. I'm afterwards, I'm going to be like, it. I'm never going to enjoy myself ever again. Um, no. But how much sugar should people be intaking? How much should people, generally speaking, be eating? Very little. Like, the the concept of candy, like eating a lot of candy, you eating candy shouldn't be a daily thing, obviously. But there's so much hidden sugar and stuff, and that's kind of what the sugar film is about. Is about how, like... Everything has everything sugar. Everything has sugar in it. And, like, sugar is also addictive. Like, it's a very addictive stub- substance, which you don't even realize until you get older. And, like, if you're trying to break away from sugar, like, people who try to go on a low-sugar diet, it's really hard to do because, A, sugar's in everything. And also, you feel uh, cranky, lethargic, angry. People get, like, sugar rage, which is crazy. Wow. Like, it's a whole thing. And recently... There's also been um, an article in the New York Times that revealed that Coca-Cola, the world's largest producer of sugary beverages, had provided millions of dollars in funding to researchers who who sought to play down the link between sugary drinks and obesity. In June, the Associated Press reported that candy makers were funding studies that claim that children who eat candy tend to weigh less than those who do not. So all these fuckers, (laughs) all of these fuckers in the sugar industry, like Coca-Cola fucking included, I love a good Diet Coke, but like... Fuck these people for trying to, like, trick underprivileged people into into drinking things that are terrible for them. Like, they – I would say they are one of the main reasons why people yeah, but... are so obese and overweight and unhealthy in our country. Of course, but you don't – I don't think you drink a Coke and go, Dan, this is going to be great for me. No, not at all. But that's only – You can taste the sugar. But you know what? That's only happened recently that we've all started realizing that this isn't an okay thing. These are studies that have that were started in the 1960s. That's crazy. This is an ingrained thing in our society where people were, were told that, that sugary drinks like Coca-Cola were like sports drinks. Well, it, it all comes down to like uh, marketing as well because so much of like uh, the sugar industry is based solely on marketing mm-hmm. and Coca-Cola – is probably you could say is probably like the biggest advertiser in the world. The most like what they've done with their advertising is nothing short of like genius. Mm-hmm. Because you don't think about it as poison sugar water. 
You no. think about it as delicious. You, what do you think of when you think of Coca-Cola? I think about the sound that it makes when you open it. Yeah? That's the thing you that I think You think of about. a chilled Coke in a glass bottle. Uh-huh. And you think of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. So what Coca-Cola have done, which is... Uh, I, I don't know. I just think you can kind of admire it, really, because it's so clever. They have taken two of the biggest seasons, i.e. summer and winter. And they've made their drink uh, at the recall to each season. So in the summer, you see all these ads about like people being in the park with their friends drinking a Coke. Or on a beach. On a beach. Or like... Refreshed. They're refreshed. being refreshed. There's nothing better in a summer day than a nice cold Coke, right? That's like a big image in your mm-hmm. head. And then you think, and you go to Christmas, and you go... Well, what do I think of when I think of like the Christmas adverts? Like to red me, and white. I think of the mm-hmm. Santa Claus adverts, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus advert, where it's or like the polar bear. Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming, all that mm-hmm. stuff. The polar bear, it's all sat, it's all um, Coca-Cola, and a lot of people don't know this, but Coca-Cola is responsible for the modern day depiction of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Before they changed his clothes. Yeah, before that, it was he was green. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a beard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was fat either. He mm-hmm. didn't have like a big belly. Coca-Cola made him red because it's their branding. They made him with a beard. They made him bigger. And everything since then has been inspired from Coca-Cola. It's crazy. So they have shaped what I would say is probably like the most prolific mythical figure in our world, mm-hmm. right? In, yeah. in a weird way, though, it makes me so uh, cynical because it's like... This whole thing that I was built up in in my life as this big, amazing thing like Christmas and yeah. Santa Claus and all of that was made by a company to sell product. Yeah. End all, be all. It was made by a company to sell product. Well, Santa Claus and Father Christmas and that whole thing, like, that was something way before Coke, but it's the, the visual image of Santa Claus is, is a Coca-Cola image. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy. It's just, you know, when you come back at it and you look at it, you're like, shit, the sugar industry is genius what they've done you know they were genius but they caused a whole outbreak of people like i would say that heart disease in america would be i wouldn't say that it would be a lot i mean heart disease is like a devastating thing in america right now Mm. a lot of people that's like the cause of death is you know something some kind of death related to heart disease and that's all related to diet and i think yeah people eat a shitload of sugary drinks it's It's not even that it's just it's just like it's it sucks that that food industries can lobby for shit like this. Like, food industries shouldn't be allowed to lie about right. this kind of shit. Yeah. That should, it shouldn't even be allowed. And, like, even in the UK, it's so interesting because I, I, I do, like, I think about the UK as a second home, and I feel like they've done a really good job. Like, they do sugar taxes. Like, there was, I remember that being a huge controversy when we were there last year with, were, were people talking about sugar taxes and saying that they were, like, upset about it or whatever. But the U.K. doesn't give a shit because they're like, you know what? No, it's better for our country. We're going to make it less convenient to buy the terrible thing for you. Sorry, it's for your best interest. And I really appreciate that because it's not like it's something that's um, – it's not something that's subjective. It's like this is objectively bad for you. So yeah. stop it. And yeah. if you're going to have it, enjoy it every once in a blue moon. Don't make it a regular thing. You know what I mean? When obesity becomes something that's so prevalent in a country, the first thing you need to look at is the advertising around a food. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think the big thing to take away from this, though, is not like that. It's sometimes out of your control because you could try and cut back on candy intake and uh, fizzy drinks and just general obvious sugary things. But like you said, everything has sugar in it. People, everything has sugar in it. People put sugar in everything. You, everything. You, like name a food. There's, there's sugar in it. You, you have pizza. They put sugar in it to give it that to give it an extra bit of a mm-hmm. kick. 
Yeah, it's just it's mad, isn't it? To think about. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm always I always say like if you can, uh, and I think this is something that's like so obvious now. But I think when we, when I was growing up, um, you ended up eating a lot of prepackaged stuff. Yeah. And that was just like the norm because it's easy, it's quick. Your mom and dad are working. You know, it's just how you it's how you live and it's how you like survive. And even now, a lot of more like impoverished areas, it's a lot easier to buy prepackaged food than, and a lot cheaper to buy prepackaged food yeah. and crappy food than fresh ingredients and fresh food. And also, people are fucking tired by by the end of the day. It's hard to like yeah, make a meal at home. Do that. Yeah, it's all it's all fucking struggle. But if you can make your food. Like, be aware of the ingredients that you have and the things that you're putting in your food because that's the number one way to make sure that you are doing the best thing for your body is by being conscious of what you're putting in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yes. And I mean, listen, I eat shit all the time. I go to In-N-Out, like, once a week. We, yeah, we, but we, uh, <laughs> we, we're not the healthiest We walk kids. a line, right? We do. We walk a line. But I think, like, if you can just be aware of it, I'm, I'm all about people taking control of their own destinies, body-wise, mentally, food-wise. Yes. So be just be smart about it and just realize that there are entire corporations that spend hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to convince you that something's healthy or happy, even if it is not. Yes. Because that's true. Marketing goes a long way. Sorry. Okay. We just went straight down the conspiracy that being ladder. Said, <laughs> let's talk about something fun. We'll be going on to our last segment right Yes. Now. Let's – ooh, yes. I'm excited about this one. This one's a really fun one. Which one is that? Uh, this is our movies segment. This is – Let's go to the cinema, which we don't actually have a title for because none of you guys gave <laughs> oh, us yeah. good Thanks suggestions. Thanks for sending a lot of suggestions, guys. Yeah. Loved we the suggestions. We were really looking for some help there. And you listen, guys gave us We've nothing. got Let's Go to the Cinema as the name of the, the title. Yeah. Someone sent me Make It Called Popcorn Time. That's already a podcast which I've been on. <laughs> so, no, we're not going to call it Popcorn Time. <laughs> Shout out to Jack Ferry and and Mitchell for that amazing podcast. How about uh, I still like Let's Go to the Movies. What's wrong no, with Let's Go to the Movies? Trash, trash. Uh, we're not doing this again. We're gonna let them decide. Fine. I'm not doing right, this. Now it's called Let's Go to the Movies. Let's go to, to the, the movies. movies. Yay! Whoopsie do. Now find us a better title, please, and thank you, okay. people. We believe in you. So please tweet us at Arden Rose at Will Derbyshire. We're not mad at you, but we're mad. <laughs> and hashtag Crash on My Couch or C O M C and send us suggestions for our movie segment. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about. Stars who turn down famous movie roles. This is from Entertainment Weekly. So this is these are uh, celebrities, actors uh-huh. uh, who have missed out on big things because they're like, nah, it's not my thing. But then it turned out to be a huge, like a huge film. Yeah, I mean, like as you guys know, for for a large portion of Hollywood, the way it works is um, if you've got hype around you, they pin you for a role. So like, say someone's coming out with a new. Avengers film or something like that like uh, they might have looked at Robert Downey Jr. and they were like we definitely want him for Iron Man and they would have pinned him for it or talked to his people without even seeing an audition or anything right. so they would have just been like we want to offer yeah, you they the just role. they just know they're good and they're going to ask the question yeah so they're going to offer roles so these are kind of um, these are roles that were offered to people that people turned down and they went with other people instead oh my gosh interesting okay. yeah really interesting okay Matt Damon could have been uh, Matt Murdock or Daredevil instead of Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. That's really interesting. Matt Damon instead of Ben Affleck. I, I never saw Daredevil, but I always thought that... That film wasn't very good. Really? Okay, that's good to know. I um, don't know if I like Ben Affleck as, like, 
I don't know if he's my favorite actor. He's not my favorite superhero. He's an incredible uh, filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking... I thought Gone Girl was amazing. And he's an incredible writer. Yeah. Yeah, but he was good in Gone Girl. He was not bad in Gone Girl. He was really good in Gone Girl. He's really... I feel like he's really good in everyday stuff, and I don't like him in superhero roles. Yeah, and Justice League is, like, a little bit weird. It's kind of a weird Uh, fix. But that's really interesting. I could see Matt Damon. Yeah. I could could see him doing that. Yeah, but I can also see why he turned it down, because the script wasn't very good. Um... Okay, so this one's really interesting and controversial, okay. and uh, let's see how you feel about it. But uh, Hugh Jackman in James Bond instead of Daniel Craig. They went out to Hugh Jackman first, question mark? Yeah. and Wait, then decided, Hugh Jackman turned out to be James Bond? I think so. Isn't that the goal, like, for any actor, just to be, like, James yeah. Bond? But here's the story. Okay, Hugh Jackman turned down the role of the British spy in the mid-2000s. This is the first one, Casino Royale. It's such a big deal, but the problem was he was already playing a popular part that carried its own weight. I got a call from my agent saying, there's possible interest in you for Bond. Are you interested? At the time, I wasn't. I was about to shoot X-Men 2 and Wolverine had become this thing in my life, and I didn't want to be doing two such iconic characters at once. So it actually makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And his performance in... uh... Wolverine is like iconic now. And guys, yeah. if you haven't seen um Logan Logan yet, it's one of the best superhero films I've ever seen. For me it's like you know, like Dark Knight is up there, is up the top, and this film is like just below it. This this film is unbelievable. So good. I like came out of the cinema, I just couldn't believe it. It's this very like very dark, gritty film about what happens when superheroes get old. Mm-hmm. And it's like about your past catching up to you and being like, actually time can destroy even like the most indestructible people it's Mm -hmm. a really really good film really amazing i loved it i want to go see it again and and above all he like was unbelievable that he should get an oscar for it if he doesn't i think it's actually an injustice nominated for this he he won't get nominated for it because superhero films never get nominated for anything but he so deserves he he is just incredible in it it's such a good movie anyway Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so he could have been 007. I could see him as 007. I could too. I just love Hugh Jackman. I, I think know. he's such a cool guy. I know. I think he just got bogged down. Not bogged down, but like he would be playing two such iconic roles. And that's, I would say, a very hard thing to do. Like to be the front man of the X-Men and also James Bond. Yeah. You, would be, you would be constantly on set. You would never have any alone time. Okay, so next up, here's one that's kind of fun. Uh, Johnny Depp. Instead of Matthew Broderick in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. I don't like it. I would. I love Matthew Broderick, and I think he brings that kind of like high school awkwardness that Johnny Depp is too hot for. I agree. Yeah, because Johnny Depp was like just unbelievably good looking even when he was younger, mm-hmm. and I like that the idea that like because Matthew Broderick was obviously a good looking guy, but like. His his attractiveness comes from his confidence, uh huh. Rather than his, and he's like, a cute guy, physical, like, physical, yeah, kind of attributes. I think he's cute. He was definitely cute in the eighties. Yeah, he was very absolutely. Cute. But it's not like he's this like he's not Johnny Depp, who was like a like no, uh, it's not unrealistic, baby, like it's not unrealistic. sexy. Yeah, Johnny Depp was like sexy, and also um, apparently he turned it down uh, because he was a he was like in talks with Tim Burton about Edward Scissorhands for a few years later. He became Edward Scissorhands, or not Edward Scissorhands, he became Tim Burton's muse. So he was kind of like in talks to be doing stuff like that. And you didn't like, want to do a John Hughes picture? No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, how would you not want to, but you know, okay. Interesting. Yep. Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Here we go. Okay, Robert Downing Jr. 
instead of George Clooney in Gravity. I think uh, that could have worked. It could have worked, but there is something so incredible about George Clooney's performance in that film because he's he's the hero in that film. Mm-hmm. He's like you oh, feel yeah. you feel so bad for him, mm-hmm. and like. George Clooney's so good at that, at that, mm-hmm. at that specific thing he does. Uh-huh. Where you're like, he's just the hero. Yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's just a nice guy. And Robert Downey Jr., I feel like, you watch, when you watch a film of him, like he's always the hero of the film, but mm-hmm. it you take a while to like him. Yeah. You have to warm up to him. Do you want to know why Robert Downey Jr. turned it down? Why? It was actually, um, Robert Downey Jr. was his first choice. Alfonso Cuaron wanted Robert Downey Jr. He, like, was obsessed with Robert Downey Jr. being a part of the role. The reason why he ended up turning it down was because it was going to be so technologically focused. Like, the actors were going to be in – like, you saw yeah, like what it looked like. green screen, right? You're in green screen and you're in a bubble for, like, eight hours a day. And that's all you get to do is sit in a fucking yeah. bubble. And that's it. And um, Robert Downey Jr. thought it was going to be – the work was going to be too exhausting. And so they ended up going with George Clooney, and George Clooney nailed it. Wow, but, you know, it's crazy because I feel like there were, like, superhero films out before, around Gravity. Like, he would have been Iron Man, and that, that's so green screen, isn't that, that film? Yeah. But maybe he knew. I, I maybe think he, he was, was just like, worried about it. I don't want to deal with that again. Well, because you're – but the, the when they were shooting it, like – they would have him spin in zero gravity. And right. Would, it was a very, like, disorienting film, I feel like. It would have been hard to act in those circumstances, I think. Got it. But, um, okay, here's another one that's really fun. Give me two more. Okay, I'll give you two more, and I'll be done. Okay. Okay. Molly Ringwald instead of Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Molly Ringwald. Instead of Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. I could see that, but Molly Ringwald in the 80s was stunning and She's beautiful stunning. and was kind of like a pinup for a lot of people. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I guess Julia Roberts was as well, but there was something so, um, I felt like her beauty was so unconventional in that film. Uh-huh. And I felt like that's like the trick to that film is like, you're actually like learning about her personality and mm-hmm. you fall in love with the character rather than being like, oh, that's Molly Ringwald. We like her because she's Molly Ringwald. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that was that was kind of the reason why she turned this down was because she was overworked. She had done so many... She's done so much shit. She did, she did so much stuff. She was John Hughes' darling. Like, John Hughes used her for everything. Yeah. And so it got to a point where she just couldn't play the prostitute. She couldn't do it. And um, that ended up jump-starting Julia Roberts' career. So yeah. she actually... She's, Julia Roberts is amazing. She's amazing, too. She got really lucky that it that it happened, though. Oh, whoa. Oh, fuck. There's so... Okay, I might save a couple of these for... Because I'm halfway through. I'm doing this for another segment next episode. Because okay, right. it's so good. Each give of these me, are so good. Give me one last This is one. the last one, and this one's going to blow your fucking mind, and you're going to be like, No. No, 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 no. Okay. John Travolta instead of Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. No. 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 I disagree. No. Tom Hanks is probably top three actors for me. He's up there with Robin Williams and I'm trying to think who else like I really love. Tom Hanks and Robin Williams are like probably my two favorite actors mm-hmm. usually i would go see a film just because they're in it yeah oh yeah 
I would I would agree. I just love every Tom Hanks film. Yeah, Tom I Hanks is he's, amazing. He's, he's he's an amazing. He's the person, and he's me. so like you can tell he's like a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like he's like a he plays such sweet roles. He never plays a role I feel like where he's a vicious man. I've never seen him be like a vicious person. No, I just lo- I just love his I just love him. I love him, but apparently John Travolta got the got offered for it, or at least got offered to come and in for it. He didn't accept it. He didn't accept it, and then he was, he, and then of course later on he got interviewed about it, being like, "So we heard you were up for this. What the fuck were you thinking?" And he was like, he has said through uh, several interviews that it was one of the biggest mistakes of his career. A statement, <laughs> a statement to which Forrest might respond, "Stupid is as stupid does." <laughs> I, you know, that's so that's so crazy to think about that he could have been in that film. Uh-huh. And you know what? I'm on the side of people that um, thinks Forrest Gump is like a fucking masterpiece. I do. I, I is it a fifty fifty? Do people not think that Forrest? Gump oh is a yeah, masterpiece? a lot of people do not like Forrest Gump, and like a lot of critics didn't like Forrest Gump. What the fuck? Okay, you have to be like messed up in the head to not not love Forrest Gump. Like Forrest Gump from Rotten Tomatoes is. You want to take a guess? Oh, 75? 70. That makes me so sad. And whereas I watch Forrest Gump and I'm like, that's 90. That's a 90 right there. That film is like a roller coaster of emotions. What's the, what is Jimmy. the, what is the audience score? Let's have a look. That's what I'm curious. Sorry, I just yawned while point. talking. It's a good point. 95%. 95%. That's people, fucking right. People love that movie. People understand. It, it, for me, it's just like a perfect film. I love, I love so Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is maybe, I think, top I 10 I can't movies. watch it, though, because I get really sad. I it, get, like, deeply sad by the end of it. Yeah. Oh, it is. What That last thing, what does he say when he's like, is it mine? Is it mine? mine? Oh, my gosh. Mine? He's like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Oh, oh I want to watch the movie now. Such a, just, such a tragic film. I want to watch it so badly. No, I want to watch it. <laughs> Do you want to watch it when we get home and Forrest cry? Gump. Oh, it's so sad. It's, it makes me so sad. I'm down. Let's just go home and cry. He just loves Jenny. Jenny. Oh, I love Forrest Gump. Anyways, okay, so we're going to save the rest of those because there are so many actors that turn down roles. And I know this now from just, like, me being in the the industry. I know that people get offered stuff all the time that they either turn down or you just never know if something's going to be good. Like, you might read a script and it's like... Oh, yeah, it's a good script. Yeah. And then it might be the next Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And you're like, what? So there are tons of tons of these, like actors who have potentially been a big part in something like a Mission Impossible film that have just decided JK and then they go with someone else. Yeah. So we've got plenty of people to talk about uh, next week then if we want to. But um, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. Once again, we still need uh, a movie segment jingle. So if you people want to help us out, maybe just a little bit, um, please send us your segment ideas. No, we're not going to use popcorn time. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's another podcast. Uh, but anything else you got, let us know. And um, we would love to uh, yeah. incorporate it into the show. And we'll also shout you out. We'll be like, yo, Katie. Thank you so much for the new segment. So that's a little carrot I'm going to dangle in front of you. If you, <laughs> you want to be a part of the podcast, oh uh, my gosh. feel free to. And um, um, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Crash on My Couch would not be Crash on My Couch without the help of these wonderful people. Mm-hmm. A special thanks to executive producer Tim Street, my manager Byron Ashley, producer Emma Kikuchi, and our editor Jason Perrier, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. Thank you guys. 